Welcome to Awesome Movie Year, the podcast where we look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. My name is Josh Bell, writer and film critic, and I am joined by... My name is Jason Harris. I am a filmmaker, I am a comedian, and I am full of artificial intelligence. I don't know what the heck that's supposed to mean. (laughs) You know, maybe we should have hold off on that one until we're doing some sort of sci-fi movie. I'm not trying to go with themes anymore, Josh. You're just saying stuff. Stuff needs to be said. Okay. I got a podcast, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) So in this second season of Awesome Movie Year, we're talking about the movies of 2007. And in this episode, we're taking a look at a notable auteur debut, the first feature from a major filmmaker. And we had a lot of options for this one. I think 2007 was an interesting year in terms of new filmmakers. And we ended up going with Ben Affleck and his film Gone Baby Gone. Yeah, there there were some heated discussions. We almost came to fisticuffs a few times, which wouldn't have gone well for you, Josh. No, it definitely would not have. You don't want to feel this artificial intelligence pain. Um, But, uh, dude, this movie... Man, it's a powerhouse. Oh, it's a very, very good movie. It, it definitely is. And it was an interesting twist for Ben Affleck that I think a lot of people didn't expect at the time. Yeah, I thought he would have probably made like a Forces by Nature style rom-com, right? <laughs> so. Yeah, I've seen that movie. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was a critical and commercial success. Uh, it grossed $35 million worldwide on a budget of only $19 million. And for a movie like this, I mean, that's pretty good. This is not a blockbuster uh, action movie. It's not a rom-com like you were saying. Um, so the fact that it made that much money is impressive. And these are the movies we're missing nowadays. These mid-budget, uh, adult, uh, not adult as in triple X guys, <laughs> adult as in mature yeah. films, you know? Right. This is the kind of movie that were it made now might go straight to Netflix. Right. Right. And we'd still get to see it though. That's good. And in fact, Ben Affleck recently went straight to Netflix, not as a director, but as an actor. You know who loves Netflix? Our producer, yeah. David Rosen. <laughs> I disagree with your thesis, Josh, but yes. <laughs> I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying that that's the way it is right now. Right. That a movie like this would would pros- possibly still get made, but if it did get made, it would be probably a Netflix movie. Uh, the closest thing I was thinking was like Widows was recent. And that That's was, true. That yeah. was in theaters. Yeah, that was a great movie to see in theaters, and it made zero dollars. Yeah, no, many people <laughs> saw it, so they'll yeah. have to do it on Netflix. Yeah. Um, but this movie made a lot of money and was very, very uh, well-regarded, including being nominated for an Oscar for Amy Ryan for Best Supporting Actress, who was fantastic in this movie. She was also nominated for a Golden Globe, for Best Supporting Actress, but she did not win either one of those. Reviews were very positive. It has a 94% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which is really good. I mean, even highly regarded movies often will be closer to like the 80s or whatever. I want to find those 6% and be like, yo, what's your deal, bro? <laughs> you can look them up on Rotten Tomatoes and find the little uh, splat and, and then, then, and then write, track yo, them down. What's your deal, bro? Yeah, I mean, it's diver- I- <laughs> diversity of critical opinion is a positive thing. Yeah, but I can do it with that Boston accent since this takes place. Was that there. your Boston accent? Yo, what's your deal, bro? There okay, you that's go. Better. That's, that's better. better. Yeah, yeah, I can do it. I went to college in Boston, guys. I, yeah. you know, I'm a man of many talents. Yeah, we know. Yeah. so review wise uh roger ebert said uh he called this a superior police procedural and something more a study in devious human nature and speaking of boston he also said 
What I like about the movie is the way Ben Affleck and his brother, both lifelong Bostonians, understand the rhythm of a society in which people not only live in one another's pockets, but are trying to slash their way out. And there's a lot of great local color in this movie. Uh, it's one of my favorite things, the use of environment as a character and the use of characters to build the environment. Yes. Yeah. They. I think they cast a lot of extras just from people who are standing around nearby. It feels so real, man. Yes. Yeah. These are people that are from Boston that you could know in Boston. And that's a, that's the best when you get a, uh, a localized uh, specific place and you really are able to bring that out on film. Right, yeah. And uh, Dennis Lehane, the author of the novel that this is based on, wrote a lot of Boston-based material. Mystic River was also based on one of his novels that came out, I want to say, the year before or two years before, something like that. Right. And this this is the fourth in a series of Lehane books uh, with these main characters, Patrick and Angie. That is true. Although the way they treat this is as if it's kind of the beginning. You definitely don't need a background on these characters or anything like that. Um, locally, Mike D'Angelo in Las Vegas Weekly uh, said, quietly morose rather than operatically overheated, Affleck's film won't likely win any major Oscars, despite featuring the single best performance I've seen all year, but it should earn its director something more valuable still, respect. And I think that is uh, smart on both counts. I think he was right. Um, it didn't win any major awards, but Amy Ryan's performance did get more attention than just from critics. She's great, but everyone is great in this movie. <laughs> Dude, like, could you not have seen Ed Harris getting a supporting actor nod for this? You know? Yeah, yeah. The acting is really is really great across the board, and we can talk about that in the next segment. But, but yeah, you're right. It, it sort of surprised me when I went to look this up. I just assumed... This must have been nominated. Like everyone remembers Amy Ryan, but this must have been nominated for more uh, awards me, than I just sneeze, for her. Josh, I, I was trying to, I was trying to just uh, ignore and talk through that. But no, you know, this is you a had to draw attention. We're to live, it. baby. Um, what was uh, you were talking about? Amy Oscars, Ryan. And yes. you thought that it was worthy of all these awards, and it did get on a lot of top ten lists at the end of the it year. Did, yeah, and it won some other uh, critics' choice, you know, different critics group yeah, awards. Yeah, and Amy Ryan was the leading uh, award winner of this thing. But I feel like there could have been plenty of awards. Yeah, that. there could have, and and probably should have been. I mean, the the screenplay for this movie, the adapted screenplay, and and Affleck. I think awesome. uh, right. Uh, both Afflecks. Awesome. But uh, I think now because of this movie and because of the other movies that he made, we think of Ben Affleck as this director who makes movies that could win Oscars. And that was not something that people thought of when this movie came out. Nor when Forces of Nature came out. Have you even seen Forces of Nature? <laughs> nope. Uh, <laughs> I saw that movie in the theater. Well, and it was a poor it? choice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that was before you were a critic, so That's, you personally went to see it. I don't know. I'm not sure what year that was. Um, but you may, you may be right. I think actually you are right. That is uh, unfortunate. Did you go alone? No, I think I might have gone with a friend at like the mall or something like that. I don't remember. What friend goes to see Forces of Nature with you? I mean, it's the kind of thing where you're just like, we're there and we're going to see a movie. What's playing right now? Mm. You know, when you're a teenager, you do that. This sounds a little fishy, much like the plot of Gone Baby Gone. I don't believe all these yeah. details. So. I may be wrong. I try, I didn't know we were going to talk about forces of nature in this podcast, so I didn't like look up any details about it. Listen, I'm less um, interested in forces of nature now and more interested in who you're going to see forces of nature. I mean, with. I think if it was... If it was uh, before I moved to Vegas, I don't know. Was that movie in the 90s? Dave, 
I don't remember. Producer David Rosen. Maybe I'm maybe Let's I'm misremembering. I definitely saw I think it was like 2001 or so. Okay. So maybe I was in Vegas. I don't know who I would have seen that with, but I'm pretty sure I saw 99. Oh, there you go. So no, I, I was in Vegas, but I don't you, know. Maybe who... you went in college. You were in college then. You could have gone on a date. Oh yeah, that's possible too. Or you know, it's possible I went in college because that was a time when there was nothing to do and we would just go see whatever yeah. was in the theater. I remember going to see movies that I certainly would not bother seeing now. And it was just like, what are we going to do tonight? Let's go to this movie. I did the same thing in college. All right. As long as you guys are on this big tangent, can I just say what a great headshot Ben Affleck has? Everybody go look up IMDb. That's that's killer. He's a a handsome man. He is a handsome man. He's still a handsome man. I agree. And we did not have ever see his handsome face in this movie. Um, Which is okay. No, that was okay. One more review, Claudia Puig in USA Today said, not only is this a story of tragedies that befall children, but it also looks at the way in which our society collectively approaches kidnapping and abuse. The film is intellectually engaging and the tense style in which it unfolds also packs a powerful emotional punch. The story may take one too many twists, but that doesn't stop us from falling under its spell. Affleck takes pains to create a visceral sense of tension in this noir whodunit leavened by an appropriately melancholy mood. I think that's all very accurate. I'm just trying to think of which twist she wants to eliminate. Well, I remember, and we can talk about now, like when I first saw this movie, uh, I remember thinking it had too many twists and coming out of the theater thinking, I liked that movie a lot, but I was, there was a point at which I kind of, it lost me a little uh, from a plot standpoint. And going into it this time, I remembered that but I was, of course, aware of what those twists are. And I think coming into it, knowing what was coming, I appreciated it more because I could see how it built to those twists when they weren't there to surprise me. And I felt like the pacing was so good of like um, just kind of ratcheting everything up and then taking a breath and then ratcheting everything up and then taking a breath that um, I thought all the twists worked for me because of that. Right. No, I agree with you. But I know at the time that I saw it, that was something that I thought about it. And it doesn't surprise me that other people felt that way as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's fair, but uh, I disagree. Okay. Yeah. So did you see this in the theater I in 2007? Think so. I think, you know, you had mentioned that you, most of the movies you of this year, you saw as at a press screening. Yeah. I definitely saw this at a press right. screening. So I think this, you probably lent me the Oscar screener, uh, cats out of the bag, guys. Uh-oh. I'm gonna get kicked Ooh. out of the critics groups. <laughs> we didn't, we didn't put it online though. Yeah. But Josh gets all the DVDs of uh, Oscar screeners, and uh, I think you lent this to me, and I just watched it one night, not having any expectations, and I was like, "Whoa, this is awesome!" Yeah. And uh, again, having not seen it since that point, it was great rewatching this thing. Yeah, it was, and I think I might have had have to look this up, but I think I might have had this on my top ten list for the year, maybe sort of towards the bottom, but it was certainly a movie that I liked a lot at the time. And, uh, and I think I liked even more revisiting it recently. And definitely would have been a good thing to look up before we did this podcast. Episode. That, that would have, I hadn't, I, yeah, that wasn't something that crossed my mind. I'm pretty sure it was, uh, though on my list at the time, I definitely liked it a lot. Any other, uh, background details that you want to mention? Well, like I said, I just, you know, having, um, Having gone to school in Boston, that was one of the things that attracted me. These are South guys from Southie, you know, these yeah. like kind of, uh, I mean, lower income, bigger than life characters. A lot of these people. The other thing I, that I thought was weird was that in two countries, 
they released the uh they had to delay the release date because of real life kidnappings of, yeah uh in england the, uh there was that famous case that now there's like an eight-part netflix documentary of course series. there is yeah which dave will watch because he loves netflix and then in malaysia <laughs> it was even worse there was like a child murder and kidnapping oh, so that wonderful. they had to release the, yeah that. yeah but, that's i feel like that's something that happens now so often because the world is horrible and we get <laughs> delayed releases of various violent things yeah, but p- people are the worst yes yeah, yeah on that note <laughs> we'll take a break <laughs> and come back and talk about our general thoughts on ben affleck's gone baby gone Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year, and in our second episode of our season on the films of 2007, we're talking about the debut feature from director Ben Affleck, Gone Baby Gone, and uh, I think it's safe to say we both liked it. Yeah, I, I really loved it. I think of all the movies we've watched for the podcast, this one was the one that I might have forgot about the most and enjoyed them. I'm not saying it's the best movie that we've watched, but it's the one where it was like a rediscovery the most of just how good of a film it was. Yeah. I think maybe I had a better recollection of this movie being good, but like I said, I think there were some reservations that I had about it at the time that I first saw it that I didn't have about it this time, uh, mainly about the plot twists and how I think, <clears throat> In the first time I watched this movie, it, it kind of got to me. And I think this is a common thing for these kinds of twisty thrillers where there's a twist and you're like, whoa, and then there's three more twists. And by the time you get to the last one, it, it, it kind of loses its power. But I think this movie does set up and, and knowing what was coming, I could see better how this movie sets up those twists and they feel like they make sense. I think so, because a lot of the times when you're talking about other films, the twists are just like, remember all these things that we showed you? None of that is true. Right, right. right. But over here, something else is happening. These were all like, okay, you think you know, but then it's the next step in what we've already built, you know? So all the characters that they've introduced do play into the final conclusion of this piece. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it did that well. And I love that this movie in the middle of it has what appears to be the resolution. And I think that if if somehow, I mean, other than the fact that the movie would be too short, yeah. if that had been the end of the story, it would have made sense. It would have been this kind of ambiguous, downbeat way that stuff like this is resolved, where you assume that the child who's been abducted is dead, but you don't really know for sure, and you probably are never going to know for sure, and that's how things happen in cases like this often. And so I liked that you could get to that point and think, oh, what a what a powerful story, and yet it keeps going and reveals more and more. And like, I think you were saying where it's, it builds and then there's a lull and it builds and then there's a lull and it's structured very well right up until that final, uh, really devastating final scene. Yeah, man, that final scene is something. So, um, I mean, obviously we, we can talk about it. Uh, this is, this is, uh, spoilers are happening here. Yeah, right now. yeah. So in the final scene, uh, Amy Ryan, uh, does get her daughter back and um, she's going on a and what happened is a character uh, Morgan Freeman who uh, was a former uh, highly regarded 
policeman who runs a unit to solve kidnappings because to honor his slain daughter or something similar happened. He's the one who kind of, if he didn't mastermind it, was the big piece of this puzzle and now has her daughter giving her a nice life in the country, whereas uh, with a lot of opportunities and a lot of uh, upward mobility chances, whereas Amy Ryan is in a low-income situation. She's committed crime. She's a crackhead, really, you know, and um, they're basically saying, like, hey, uh, the big argument at the end is if you leave the kid with Morgan Freeman's character, Doyle, then she's going to have a chance at a real life. And uh, Casey Affleck, Patrick is saying, well, hey, that's not uh, that's not his mom. So we're going to return him. Right. So then we get to this last scene where he does return it, the kid and uh, and Amy Ryan is going out on a date, you know, because she's, she's still making moves. in the. I human. mean, and she should be able to go on dates. Yeah, but she should probably have planned to get a babysitter yeah, before she yeah, went on the yeah, date. Yeah, she's still not a super responsible parent, maybe slightly less irresponsible. She doesn't seem to be snorting cocaine. Right. Well, as far as we know. Yeah. But I think what you're saying, the big heartbreak there is that um, going back to an earlier point of the movie, uh, the character, Helene, Amy Ryan's character, says that uh, her daughter was last seen with her favorite toy, Mirabelle, right? So they're sitting on the couch, and Patrick is next to the daughter, and he says, is that your, is that your favorite toy, Mirabelle, or whatever? And he goes, she goes, her name is Annabelle. Right. Which is like, man, the mom didn't even know the, the kid's and, and, doll's name. And it's name. a cursed doll. I mean, why would you get your kid Annabelle? Uh, <laughs> well, I think that's so, a different, uh, yeah, different maybe, universe altogether. Maybe. Yeah. But I mean, but I think what a way to leave it. We're like, right. man, now he's got to say like, I get, I, I did the right thing. Right. But by but, doing the right thing, did I make this girl's life so much tougher right right and that is the big dilemma of the movie and i feel like that's one of the reasons why you can accept that big final twist because it's not just for the sake of shocking the audience it's about giving them this moral dilemma that they really follow through with that there's a lot of discussion back and forth between casey affleck's character and uh michelle monaghan's character they're a, a couple and they're private investigators but they're also this romantic partnership and they disagree about what, what should be done here. He is determined that legally, morally, you can't just not return this child to her mother. And Michelle Monaghan is agreeing with Morgan Freeman's character and saying, you're, you're depriving her of this better life uh, that she's now able to have because she's been taken away. Right, because, not because she's just been taken away, but because her mother is a uh, drug addict and a criminal. Right, because know. she's been taken away from that, that person, that circumstance. And, and you know, and Angie, uh, the Michelle Monaghan character, even says when they figure the whole thing out, if you give her back to Helene, that's going to end it. For right, us. and then... So the stakes are so high at this point yeah, in time. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, I mean, we're talking here mostly about the ending and we haven't really talked about what leads up to it, but but I think... Also, what's really good about that moment is that they've established Patrick, Casey Affleck's character, so well that you know what choice he's going to make and you understand him as a character and why he makes that choice. Even if maybe when you get to that final scene, you think he might have done the wrong thing, you completely understand why he does what he does and you can sympathize with him as much as you can sympathize with the opposite agreement or argument 
And I mean, for me personally, I thought he was completely in the right. And even given that final scene that he made the only possible choice you can make. And for me, as a parent who cares about my child so much, I thought he should have left her there, you know, and given the girl a, a chance at a life. I mean, I guess what I wonder, and one thing that they don't bring up when they're arguing is this, is that why does she get that life? Why is she the girl who gets to be taken away from a terrible parent and given this perfect life when there are hundreds, if not thousands of young kids with terrible parents who aren't being given that right. magical and, opportunity? And again, because this is a movie, in the movie, I want this to play out this way. You know? Yeah, yeah. In real life, I don't think I could. I, if I was in that situation, I'd probably have to be like, oh, you got to go back to the right. yeah. shitty parent. You know? Yeah, you do. I mean, and as, as he does point out, like there are other ways to combat this situation that are, don't involve kidnapping. And we see the character of, of Amy Ryan's brother, played by Titus Welliver, and his wife, who seem like they're upstanding people and they care about the child. And you know, they could go through a process and get custody and take care of her, but they immediately just leap to kidnapping. Well, yeah, but I mean, you're talking about other ways that are very... The odds are against them to do that. And also that uh, take an amazingly long amount of time. And this was just something that presented itself in a um, really easy situation for them to make happen. Right. But I think that's part of why the moral uh, ambiguity is there, because you can look at them and say they took this easy way out that created all of these additional problems instead of putting in the hard work necessary to go through the proper channels they jumped to kidnapping and ultimately didn't serve this girl. They wanted to give her a better life. They failed. They got her kidnapped and then ended up getting her returned to Amy Ryan. And by the end of the movie, because of the, the publicity that's been generated by this case, there's no way that kid is going to be taken away from her now because she's known as the woman whose child was kidnapped. Right. And so they've really screwed not only themselves, because of course he, Titus Welliver, you know, he ends up going to prison they break up, but they've screwed over this kid who they were trying to help. Seems like she's not going to win anyway. You no, <laughs> no, probably, probably not. Um, so let's let's step back a little, though, yeah. and talk about leading up to that point. I mean, this is an engrossing mystery even before we get to that big moral dilemma at the end. I agree. From the beginning, who kidnapped this kid and the fact that the cops are already on it and that... Uh, the Angie and Patrick characters, Patrick especially, they're, they're private investigators, but they've never handled a case like this. And what their strength is, is talking to, you know, kind of the, the street element right. of Boston, right? The yeah. people that don't want to talk to cops will talk to uh, Angie and Patrick. And you see them in like these, man, these tough Brody bars in Southie, you know, where yeah. like, it's like everyone wants to fight everyone if they just say one wrong thing to each other, right? Yes. And, uh, you know, Casey Affleck is not physically intimidating at all, but he's very intense. And uh, I think this was the first movie you saw with him where you're like, oh, this dude, this dude is a really good actor who could really, if not be a star, be kind of on this indie fringe making awesome project after awesome project. Yeah, and I think the fact that he's not physically intimidating is a big part of this character is that people constantly underestimate him, but he can definitely hold his own in a fight. And furthermore, he's really smart. Right. He's, and he, 
smarter than most of the people he goes. <laughs> yes, to. yes. And one thing you mentioned those grody bars. One thing I loved about this movie is that every time we have a scene in this kind of dingy dark bar and people are fighting and you think, oh, this is like the worst element. And then they leave the bar and it's the middle of the day. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds right. I mean, all of this felt real to me, to yeah. the Boston element. I mean. Right, right. Um, yeah, I love the the realism of that, whether it's the extras in the background or characters, and to, to try to say this delicately, who don't look like they are Hollywood actors. That's so good. I mean, you know, I think of some of the Soderbergh movies like Bubble and everything where he's casting locals and this kind of has that same feel to really round out that flavor. Yeah, I liked I liked that a lot. Casey Affleck is great. Like you were saying before, all of the performances, I mean, Amy Ryan of course, is so good in this movie. And it's she was someone who people hadn't really paid attention to before this. The Wire season two, right? Yeah, she's good her, on The Wire, yeah. but she has kind of a limited part on that show. Yeah, what's she doing now? We don't see much of yeah, Amy Yeah, she's Ryan in a, anymore. she was just in Late Night with Mindy Kaling and she had really a nothing part in that movie. And I think it's, a, she hasn't, she hasn't gotten the parts that she deserved necessarily after the attention that she got for yeah. this movie. Um, and how about Ed Harris as Remy, this kind of like hotshot, braggadocio uh, cop who is not afraid to cut corners to definitely do not. what he thinks. I mean, again, he thinks is morally right, right? Right. So like, I mean, dude, that guy is another one where we haven't seen him as much as we should recently, but he is such a good actor, I feel like. And he really, really makes the most of this character. Yeah, he is very good. And you... You need to go on a journey with that character, too, where he starts out as this antagonistic, you know, he's the cop who resents having the private investigators horn in on his investigation. And then you kind of get to like him because he sees how smart Angie and Patrick are and he brings them into the investigation. And so you think, oh, he's an ally of our main characters. And then you go in another direction and you realize he's this guy who cuts corners and he's morally ambiguous and he isn't interested in doing the right thing. And so I liked the the arc of that whole character and that he is kind of villainous by the end of the movie. If there is a villain in this movie, it's more him than it is Morgan Freeman. Uh, I think the child molester is the villain. In the well, movie. right. But that's, that's sort of a, that's sort of a random detour. I mean, that is something that ultimately doesn't, that's kind of a big red herring and doesn't have anything to do with the, the main kidnapping case. But those, if you look at two big sequences in this film, the quarry, where they first try to um, have this exchange is Amanda, right? That's her name. The yeah. Amanda girl? McCready is the right. girl's name. Yeah. For Amanda. Uh, and then also after that, this kind of uh, shootout in this drug house where these, like, I don't even know what you would call this horror couple who lives Yeah, there, they look like know? they came out of a Texas Chainsaw yeah. Massacre movie oh, yeah. or something. Old, old man without a shirt and then a lady in a muumuu. And then <laughs> they're housing the... Uh, child molester upstairs who's sadly kidnapped and killed a uh, kid you right, know, and everything yeah. and um they uh um it's one of patrick's uh uh street buddies one of the drug dealers like who finds them right yeah and um and then you know later that night the two detectives and patrick go back in and really tense really amazing work there yeah it is great and i think one thing that's great about that is that despite the fact that it is a total red herring it has absolutely no bearing on the central plot. It's still a really exciting sequence. It's really well done. And it brings you to a lot of those moral questions because Patrick in that moment decides to kill the child molester. 
even though he's not being threatened and he could simply capture this guy. Yeah, and he'd be in jail. But I again, I don't disagree with his choice on this. One. Right. And and but the fact that he immediately questions his choice and it sets up that dynamic between him and Remy where he says, did I have the right to do this? Would I do it again? I don't know that I would. I don't think I necessarily made the right choice. And Remy is 100 percent certain that that was the right thing to do. Right. But he also gives away the answer that kind of puts Patrick on the right path. Right. Which if I was going to say, and I don't think it's clumsy, but if you were going to say there's one too easy giveaway there, that's true. That is the giveaway clue. That's a little, yeah, that's one moment where, and as a viewer, again, maybe because of the second time I knew that there were twists coming, but as soon as Ed Harris says that name in that conversation, I was like, Oh, that's how they cracked the case. And it takes Casey Affleck a little longer to get there. um, Even though he's this great detective. So you're right. That is one potentially clumsy moment, but I think it's okay. And especially when you adapt a novel like this, you have to cut a few corners in order to get the plot where it needs to go. I don't know how that's revealed in the book, but maybe there's a longer process to it. Uh, I don't, I don't know how to read. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, I want to say, you know, Affleck, so, so far we've talked about him as a director, you know, you're getting these awesome performances with talented actors, Right. right. Utilizing the local color, right. Um, kind of pacing things at a very suspenseful level. And now he has done two uh, shoot em out sequences. I'm not going to call them just action sequences. Not really quite action sequences. But yeah. you see like, man, this dude has a range of skills here that really, really showcase um, what a good director he becomes. Yeah, he is. This is a remarkably assured debut and of course it's not the same as you know we talked about kevin smith's clerks as our debut last season and he's in a very very different position he's worked on a ton of movies already as an actor and maybe as a producer before he certainly has witnessed a lot of great directors working and so he's got a lot of skills or a lot of experience and knowledge that he can bring to this but still he just does an amazing job on all levels yeah in a way it's complete opposite because what we love about clerks is that it's so raw and um just kind of uh a guy going for it who maybe doesn't know how and this is so polished and it's a guy going for it who knows every way how to do it right yeah and uh if maybe and i think as an actor affleck is up and down but if maybe his career as an actor was spotty I think as a director, I like, honestly, I think he's a better director than he is an actor. Not that he's a bad actor. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I also think the dialogue really, really shined, shined, shown, shown through. I think you can say either one Uh, to help that kind of Boston feel like, you know, when they first go into a manager's bedroom and they see just how uh, barren it is, you know, and the cops ask, did they take the furniture too? Right. That kind of like really (laughs) dark, dark humor that the Northeast is known for, I think is, uh, is, is really interesting and and really plays well. Yeah. And Affleck here is also the co-writer we should say. Um, and I'm sure a lot of that comes from Dennis Lehane's novel, but a lot of that is Affleck shaping the screenplay. And, uh, at one, one point I wanted to ask you about is Ed Harris, uh, Remy at one point who is a Louisiana born character, right? Right. He tells Casey Affleck, you know, he's like, uh, you might think you're more from here than me, right? Which um, is such an interesting 
thing because he's saying, you know, Patrick, you were born here. You grew up here. Right. I've been here longer than you've been alive. So right. how are you going to say you're more Boston than I am? Right. But that's a big, I mean, and I can't speak to that as much, but you having lived there for a little bit, I think that's a big thing about yeah. how are you from here or not from here. And I think that Ed Harris's character is probably right in that no matter how long he's lived there, if he didn't come from there originally, he never gets to be, quote, from there. Right, that kind of pride of the area where you're from. And, right. Um, but it was an in- interesting ex- way to explore that theme and everything. Yeah, I agree. Um, one thing that I was also a little disappointed with, and it's not necessarily the fault of this movie, but I felt like Michelle Monaghan was a little underused. And this is my feeling about her in like every movie she's in. I remember seeing her in Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang, the first big movie that she did. And she's so good in that movie. And I remember thinking she's going to be amazing in so many things. And she's always just kind of this supporting character. I really liked their relationship, the Angie and Patrick relationship. But I felt like she didn't always bring as much to the table as he did. And that was a little disappointing to me. I agree with you 100% on everything you said, including Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang. Yeah. Because when you were just talking about she really hasn't had the opportunities to shine like that. The movie that popped into my head was Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang. Right, right. right. And that was the first thing that she did, really. And yeah, she works a lot and she does good work, but she's often kind of, the even though she's second build in this movie and she has a very big part, her part is largely to kind of either support or oppose what Patrick wants to do in the case. Um, One quote I wanted to bring up to you from Slate before we get into the legacy of the movie from Patrick Radden Keefe. Uh, criticized the film uh, for overstating the case in an otherwise laudable attempt to capture Boston in all its sordid glory, writing that the result is not so much what Mean Streets did for New York as what Deliverance did for Appalachia. Uh, I mean, I, I think that's maybe he's going a little far with that, but I think you could look at this as slightly cartoonish at moments, maybe. But these feel real to me, and if you and you know, to make that argument, you're you're saying Mean Street glorifies all these underworld characters, right? Right. This didn't glorify any of these underworld characters. No, so in a way, no. I think it was as honest or more honest. Right. I mean, I guess the idea being that that Deliverance shows the the rural South as if it's this place just full of inbred, violent rednecks, and that this movie makes Boston look like it's full of these short-tempered thugs. As you were saying, every time they go into a bar, it's just full of guys who want to fight for no reason. Yeah, but I think, you know, that's the element of Boston that he's dealing with, right? This isn't a white collar kidnapping from the Prudential Center. Right. You know, this is low budget Southie over here and low income Southie and we're neighborhoods. Everyone's in everyone's business, which is why this. Right away, the press conference has like the whole neighborhood around. Yeah, and yeah. Even when the cops are walking up, what, they they call it like, "What is this? A block party or something right. like that?" Yeah. So that was the last point on my list before we get into segment three, the legacy of this film, Josh. All right. Uh, well, what did what did Dave? Dave, what did you think of this movie? I absolutely love this movie. Um, Did you watch it in preparation for this episode? I mean, he spent 2007 preparing for these episodes by watching all of these movies. It is on Netflix. I will say that I watched this movie many times. It is fairly fresh in my mind because this is actually maybe even top 20, top 30 movies for me. Like of all time? Yeah, yeah. So I've always really, really loved this one. Oh, well, we made a good choice then. There you go. 
So Jason, out of five uh, Dunkin' Donuts coffees, let's say, <laughs> what would you give Gone Baby Gone? This is a four coffee uh, picture right here. And Dunkin' Donuts does make high quality coffee. So if you want to sponsor us, Dunkin' Donuts, <laughs> we'll drink your coffee and eat your donuts. But the biggest thing I could say about this after watching it this time around was I was almost ready to watch it again right away because I thought there was so much awesome stuff going on from on you know from a filmmaking standpoint from a story standpoint from an acting standpoint from an environmental standpoint just everything man this is a this is a fine film that i highly recommend it is a fine film i agree i think i gave it a three and a half out of five when i first saw it and i would bump it up i agree with you i give it a four out of five it's a very good movie all the elements work really well together and i think it's almost even underrated at this point I agree because, you know, now most people think of Argo when they think of Ben Affleck, the director. But um, this is what's fun about these episodes, going back to the first features and and then thinking about the career progression. And uh, yeah, Affleck's uh, been very consistent. We'll see what comes next. I hope it falls in line with the first three of his uh, canon. We will come back then and talk about the legacy of Gone Baby Gone. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. In our second season, we're talking about the movies of 2007, and our pick for a feature film debut is Ben Affleck's Gone Baby Gone, and uh, talking a little bit about the legacy of this film. Of course, because it is a feature debut, the main thing, the legacy here is how did Ben Affleck's career as a director go after this movie? He's kicked ass. I mean, really, I think... um... Uh, the town was next, right? Yeah. And that's another crime story set in Boston that really captures the city well and um, really ratchets up the suspense of what it is. And then, of course, Argo, which won everything, you know, all the awards. And, yeah. And now we're waiting for what's next, right? Is you that... forgot Live by Night, which you should forget because Live by Night. So I don't even know that. I don't even know that movie. Really, you didn't see know. Live by Night, also based on a Dennis Lehane novel. Really? Uh, yeah. I I am one of the few people who actually I like Live by Night. Oh, I did it's not. It's like a it. it's a period uh, crime drama set during uh, Prohibition. Uh, mostly in, I think it was mostly, it's mostly in Florida. Yeah, yeah. And it came out between... It's after it was his follow-up. Yeah, that was, it was the last yeah. movie that he directed. I have yeah. no recollection of this. Yeah, I mean, and it was, a, it was a flop, basically. It didn't make very much money. It was got poor reviews. But I thought it was a worthy, another well-drawn crime movie. I think it suffered from, and we were talking earlier about how Ben Affleck is a better director than he is a writer... And I, or then he is an actor. And I think it suffered from his need to cast himself in the lead role and that it might have been better had he cast someone else. But I still thought it worked pretty well. Does he have anything coming up in the. Uh... I don't believe so. He was, you know, for a long time, he was supposed to star in and direct the Batman movie, which he eventually dropped out of all of those aspects of that. Um, and I don't know that he's, I mean, he, wor he works fairly steadily as an actor. We just mentioned Triple Frontier, his Netflix movie from earlier this year. Um, but yeah, I don't know if he's got anything specific as a director that's right. Actually, oh, you know what he's directing? The McDonald's Monopoly movie. Oh, that is an interesting. Yes. Yeah, so that's that uh, article. Yeah. About the scam to, to take over the Monopoly game. Mm. Uh, yeah. I, hopefully, I don't know how far along in development that is, and hopefully it'll actually happen. But I think he could do a great job with that. I'm a big fan of him as a director. I, I was very disappointed in Live By Night, but otherwise, I think he's done such great stuff. 
I yeah. agree. And I mean, it's tough. Like, let's put Live by Night, which I didn't even know was a movie. I, I mean, I think you should see Live by. If you like I, all these movies, I think you should see it. Yeah. I will. But where where does you rank the town? Uh, not the town. Gone Baby Gone. Where do you rank the other three? How do you rank the other two? Um, yeah, I mean, Live by Night is definitely the weakest of of, yeah. of them. I think Argo uh, is. I mean. Argo has issues. It's very crowd pleasing. And there's a lot of, you can nitpick easily about how well it represents the true story, but I liked Argo a lot. I would put that probably second and then the town and then live by night last, but so you but all I think are worthy. No, his best movie. I think it is. Yeah. But that's not to say that he oh, yeah. peaked like, you know, when we talked about Kevin Smith, yeah. we talked about how he, the rest of his career was a little disappointing. And I don't right. think that's the case. It's just that gone baby gone is really good. I agree. I have this, I have them actually in the order that they were made. Yeah, you know, so this is one. The town is two, Argo three, and Live by Night is a new movie for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh, yeah, so I think as, as a director, he he really lived up, and I think a lot of times actors will decide to direct and they'll make one movie, and maybe it's a really good movie, and then they don't really follow through with a career as a director, and he really has done that. It's inevitable, right? He's got to direct Matt Damon in something. I hope so. I, I think there was a lot of talk about whether Matt Damon might star in that McDonald's Monopoly movie. And, and also they happen. were going to do that uh, wife swapping. You know, Oh, the story. baseball wife. Yeah. yeah. Was he going to direct that though? Or was that a different director? I don't know if he was going to direct it, but uh, about those two New York Yankee players who had wives and one day they just came into the dugout or the you know uh, locker room and said, okay, now she's his wife. And she's my wife. Yeah, that sounds like a fascinating, another weird. He's also set to direct something called Ghost Army. I don't know if that's actually happening, but he's supposed to star in it as well. I mean, I think this is, he's, he's probably attached to a ton. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these Hollywood things are, who knows whether they'll really happen. I mean, just like that Batman movie was probably years where he was definitely going to do it. And then it didn't happen. That McDonald's, I mean, I read that article and I remember there was like that bidding war for it right after it came out. That's a perfect project for him. These kind oh, yeah. of weird, kooky, uh, you know, uh, blue collar characters who come up with a scheme. And uh, for a while, it goes pretty well for them. Yeah, I think that could turn out to be a great movie with him as the director. So we already mentioned Amy Ryan, and we'd like to see more from her. And Bridget yeah. Monaghan, Michelle Monaghan, both the Monaghans, so <laughs> Michelle Monaghan. Um, but uh, Casey Affleck's done quite well for himself. Yeah, this was the movie that really, like you were saying, announced him as like a leading man candidate. And I think I was looking looking at reviews. I think the uh, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford also came out in 2007, and that was another big role for Casey Affleck. And these our, were that was on our short list for future cult classic. Yeah, sure. and that's a great movie. I love that movie. Um, so. Yeah, this was definitely a year where he broke out and was a, a person that people considered for these major roles and who could get Oscar nominations. You know, eventually he went on to Manchester by the Sea and stuff like that. Um, and he's great in this movie. And I like that. I mean, he hasn't necessarily he didn't use this as a as a stepping stone to to be Batman or something like that. Doesn't seem like he cares. I mean, well, I guess the oceans, wasn't he in the oceans? Movies? Yeah, he's just got small roles. That was before this. Right. So those were the mainstream ones. And, you know, we got we got to mention that uh, Manchester by the Sea the year after at the Oscars, he did not present the award for best actress. Right. He's another the, uh, problematic fellow. Right. But uh, in a, di- in a different way, right? Like there, the stuff that's been said about him is more, he's verbally har- harassing. I think people, there was some right? sexual harassment uh, allegations for uh, when he directed, uh, is it I'm still here? The, the Joaquin Phoenix movie. Yeah. So 
Um, now it's in an interesting crossroads because it, it seems has he apologized or it's I, like I mean I think it's one of these or... things where he he said something that not a lot of people thought was you know good enough yeah but he's still working I think just because he didn't present at the Oscars doesn't mean that he doesn't get roles and I'm not sure what he's got on tap right now but I I think he's still getting roles and if nothing else I'm sure Ben Affleck will cast him in something. I think he's a good actor. I he, do think he's a good actor as well. And he certainly- did have one of my favorite uh, Saturday Night Live sketches of the last couple decades with the uh, the Dunkin' Donuts coffee bit. Yeah, that is that? a great sketch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's really yeah. good. <laughs> Explain that to the audience, and maybe we could put a link in it in the show notes. Yeah. I mean, it's basically. I mean, he could practically be his character in this movie. I mean, he's just like such a, a down and dirty Boston guy, and he's just yeah. talking about how great. It's like a uh, every morning he's got to yeah, start with. He's Dunkin always got to start with Dunkin' Donuts. Donuts and they're basically like trying to throw him out because he's smoking cigarettes in there and like it's just so funny. It's very Boston. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the Gone Baby Gone of SNL sketches. Yes. So. yes. Um, and one more big creative force in this movie that I want to mention is Dennis Lehane. And we talked about Mystic River, which came just before this, and more adaptations of his work that came after this, all of which I think are good. Uh, Martin Scorsese's Shutter Island. Um, the Drop, which was James Gandolfini's last movie. movie, it was a great movie. Uh, and then Live by Night, which Jason didn't realize existed. But you know what the thing is? Like, I like reading uh, nonfiction. Um, this movie made me want to go back and read some of Dennis Lehane's books. Yeah, well, and which also, are fiction. They are fiction. Yeah. Yes, this is not a true story. But uh, also, if you want to read Dennis Lehane's books, what you could also read is the sequel to Gone Baby Gone called Moonlight Mile, which came out in 2010 and is all about Amy McCready as a teenager and her Mm. interactions with Patrick and Angie. So it's actually, uh, it came out 12 years after the novel came out and it is currently 12 years after the movie. So I I haven't seen any talk about it, but it seems like this would be the time to maybe make that into a movie. Um, Have you read that book? I have not read any Dennis Lehane books. I have read the Wikipedia entry about that book. (laughs) (laughs) But I thought it was interesting that it existed. As far as Wikipedia goes, was it an interesting entry, Josh? Yeah, I thought so. I thought it sounded like, it it did sound like something that that they could make an interesting movie out of. Uh, And it, it really actually follows up on a lot of what they talk about in this movie in terms of the moral dilemma and how will she turn out if they allow her to go back to her mother versus letting her stay with uh with Morgan Freeman's character. So I, I think it could be something that that Ben Affleck could really do something with. Yeah. And of course, uh we should not confuse that with the film Moonlight Mile. Right. That was initially that when I was just looking at the list of Dennis Lehane novels and thinking, you know, which ones, which other ones have been made into movies. And I recognized that title and I thought, oh, that was a movie, wasn't it? But it's definitely very Jake different. Jake Gyllenhaal's fiance dies and he becomes friends with their parents. And Dave Rosen, I don't know if you saw it, but Mm-mm. as a big Elton John fan, you will uh, like to know that they use Mona Lisa and Mad Hatters in great effect. Very cool. There you go. Moonlight Mile. Um, <laughs> on that note, any other legacy thoughts on this movie, Jason? Uh, I think we covered the legacy. I'm so happy that we picked this one. Yeah, I am too. I did really like it. Um, like I said, I liked it a lot to begin with, and I liked it even more this time and it's a great movie uh it's no longer it was on netflix it expired just after uh i think we went to prime maybe or something i'm not sure it's streaming somewhere yeah you can definitely find it and if you'd never saw it uh in 2007 go see it can i tell a quick story about this movie back in uh, i believe it was 
I was look, just looking February 2008. It came out on DVD. And Gina and I had just started dating. And we would have other couples over to the house to make them watch this movie because we loved <laughs> it cool. so much. And it would always, the movie would end. And then there would be like an hour or two long conversation about what would you do? Right. You know, what would you do in this situation? What would you have done? Because Josh yeah. said yeah. that he wanted, uh, you know, Patrick to give the Amanda back. Yeah. I said, leave her. What about you? The tiebreaker. I got to go with Jason on this one. I would leave her. I, I know it's an incredibly difficult uh, decision to make. It's basically, I think it's wrong either way. I mean, the world's off an awful place, no matter how you cut it. And But I think that at least she has a little bit of a chance of something in her future that way. Yeah. The world is an awful place. Yeah. Follow us on social media. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we will talk about certain things that are awful in the world and, and why people are so horrible. No, we'll talk about <laughs> movies and why they're awesome. Yes. Uh, yeah, but some horrible yeah that's true as as we will soon get to in, our, in our next Indeed. episode Indeed. Uh, okay so social media awesome movie your facebook and instagram awesome movie pod twitter i'm jason harris comedy or j harris comedy on all of those things and go for jason.com you can find me at josh bell hates everything.com at josh bell hates everything on facebook and at Signal Bleed on Twitter. And listen to our producer, David Rosen's awesome podcast, Piecing It Together. You can find us at piecingpod.com, on social media, at piecingpod, and join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. And as Jason said, speaking of horrible things, what do we have for our next episode? We are going into our biggest flop. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. Uh, I Know Who Killed Me, starring Lindsay Lohan. Yes. A movie that I successfully argued for us to cover, and I think I know who's going to kill me. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> Not a good film. Yeah. So tune in for our no doubt fascinating discussion of I Know Who Killed Me in our next episode. Thanks for listening to Awesome Movie. Thank you for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Make sure to follow Awesome Movie Year on Facebook, at Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter, and at Awesome Movie Year on Instagram. And if you like the show, review us and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. And all points west. 